Welcome. Thank you for joining Discipleship Conditioning, where we present anatomy through a biblical lens. Prayer requests can be made at prayer at erratphysiology.com. We hope you do so. My family and I would enjoy praying for you to help you through whatever you're going through. This episode has been interesting because I've been going through my own trials as of recent and uh, just got off a phone call with a dear friend. Uh, understand that he's going through some things as well. And it makes me think of the hardened skin that we develop as men. It also gives us an opportunity to again talk about the book of Job and what Job went through in his life as it pertains to skin. In that, as we always do, we'll talk about the anatomy of skin, and hopefully you'll learn a little bit on the structure of skin and how it's organized. I hope that you had a wonderful Sabbath. Uh, Three days ago, I was not with you because it was Saturday. It was a Sabbath. Again, we record every three days unless that third day shows up on a Saturday, the Sabbath. So here we are again. It is Tuesday, April 11th, and we are enjoying our time with you and look forward to Uh, discussing the topic at hand. By the end of this podcast, you will know about the structure of skin and how we harden in life as men. Our mission is to serve men between the ages of 20 and 40 who have ever felt persecuted over their God-given qualities. We're definitely going to tap on that today. Through anecdotal experiences in life as well as the field of anatomy, and more importantly the scholastic truth of the Bible, We teach how God's word impacts every facet of our lives, because it does. We are faced with a problem of societal influence outweighing biblical influence, which leads to our succumbing to the evil tactics intended to destroy us. We're going to talk about that. We serve brothers and thereby sisters with authenticity in the midst of change through our calling and ministry as teachers, per Ephesians 4.11, relating the often opposed subjects of anatomy and the Bible. We are self-sponsored, erratphysiology.com. There you can find vlog-style articles. We have since switched from blogs to vlogs. I'm more of the video person, and I'm working to combat myself less. I accept the gift that God has given me to present, to communicate, and it is easier for me to share my talents through video than it is through any form of writing. YouTube channel has been started and it is under the name Error at Physiology. You can find us there. We'll have a bunch of different videos. We'll have videos on anatomy and physiology, of course, strength and conditioning, but also comparison videos to compare products uh, that I've used in the past and that help me in the business now. Nonfiction books, again, I'm not a writer, but I have a bucket list goal of writing at least one book, and so I'm working on a year without television. We have strength and conditioning programs. We have a number of them. They are available and ready to go for you. We have courses. There are three that are ready. We are still working on bare bones anatomy and bare bones physiology. We are working on our perfectionism there, as we'll talk about today in this discussion. It is stifling Uh, me right now through this process and trying to make these courses as best as humanly possible uh, at the sake of uh, not having them delivered in a timely fashion. So pray with me um, or pray for me uh, as I work through that. 
We have a faith-based podcast called Discipleship Conditioning. That's what you're listening to right now. We have a faith-based coaching available also. Side note on the podcast, uh, I will be soon releasing them to YouTube as well. YouTube offers a a podcasting section, and so we're going to put all these podcasts on YouTube if you'd like to see the visual side of things. I still don't record video of myself speaking on these, but I am going to sort of embed, uh, embed's not the proper term, but sort of embed the transcripts as subtitles. And so it, it may be helpful to watch it in video form as opposed to audio form. We also have a local summer camp in Greenleaf, Idaho. You can inquire on anything that I've mentioned through hello at airretphysiology.com or simply visit our website, airretphysiology.com. Lastly, I will mention the project we have creating that PDF of all the instances the Bible and the anatomy relate based on verses. And uh, I have concluded the first section of that. The last time we spoke, I was about 30% of the way through. I have completed that, and now I am having my beautiful wife sort of proofread and edit that and go through the process of removing what is not applicable and keeping what is. So we hope to have that to you soon, and if you're interested in that PDF, please email us. Now to the part that matters, the Bible, and today's verse is going to be Job 7.5. It reads, My flesh is clothed with worms and dirt. My skin hardens then breaks out afresh. Again, that was Job 7, 5. And much like many of the books, especially in this section of the Old Testament, I'm not going to get into the commentary of it. Many of these books are far too prophetic and far too difficult for me to understand where I currently am at. As I mentioned before, and I mention every episode We are in the midst of change ourselves. We do not speak to you in perfection. We do not speak to you knowing everything and and teaching. We are learning. We are very much students in the process. And so I will not speak to the commentary of this, but there is a lot of great commentary out there that you may find helpful in this section. What I can speak to and apply to is what I know. So the first part of our application will be the section of my flesh is clothed with worms and dirt. Now in anatomy and physiology, I often talk to students and mention that uh, they have a greater understanding of what goes wrong with anatomy and physiology than I do or I ever will. My job as a professor of anatomy and physiology is to understand what is supposed to be intact or what is supposed to be part of the structure or part of the function. And then if I can teach that to students and they learn what a perfect world scenario looks like, they can better in their other classes and life experiences see that something's off. This no longer replicates what we talked about in perfect anatomy and physiology, so something must be off. So with that in mind, I'm not going to speak to... uh, Worms within skin, as I personally have never experienced that. And again, I don't want to dive into the commentary on Job 7.5, as it is outside of my lane and my expertise. I can certainly speak to the flesh as it pertains to being covered with dirt and the adaptation. But first, let's talk about the structures of skin. You may have heard skin referred to as a dermis. We have three layers of the dermis. We have a hypodermis, 
which is your base layer. It's closest to your muscle tissue, your bone tissue. And it is going to be made of dense irregular tissue that is forming a structure of it, as well as adipose tissue, which insulates the body. We then have a dermis. This is a area that there is neural innervation, meaning nerves go to this area. There also is cardiovascular blood delivery to this area. We have lymphatic as well. And we have a number of structures from the epidermis that descend down into the dermis. In the epidermis, which would be just superior or superficial to the dermis, as would the dermis to the hypodermis, we have five layers called strata. The first one is called the stratum basal. This is your basement layer. Here you're going to find three types of cells primarily. You're going to find a dendritic cell, which is an immune cell, and it helps clear areas of pathogens. It is sort of a first responder to this mechanical membrane. We also have keratinocytes. These are cells that have the protein keratin and they harden and they form the majority of the structure that we see superficially and know as a watertight barrier because of the arrangement of those keratinocytes. We then lastly have melanocytes. The melanocytes secrete melanin and that melanin gives us a certain skin pigmentation that can be altered with sunlight, for instance, if you go tanning, and it also is altered based on race of an individual. Now, I'm about six foot, 220 pounds. Uh, that's fairly close to Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Uh, I mention this because we're about the same size, but I also mention this because I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan, have been my entire life. Uh, let's not talk about the Super Bowl. I'm still not over it. Um, we should have won that game, but nevertheless, uh, in this comparison, me and Jalen Hurts, obviously not comparing from an athletic ability, but what we're trying to do here in comparison with two individuals that are roughly the same size, but with two very different skin tones or hues, should those individuals have a different number of melanocytes? Excuse me. And most people would say, yeah, it makes sense that they would have different melanocytes. And they would actually be incorrect in that. If the size of the individual is roughly the same, we can predict that the melanocyte count will also be roughly the same. What is different is the amount of melanin that is secreted. So clearly, based on my Irish pigmentation, Jalen Hurts secretes more melanin from his melanocytes than I do. As we go to the second layer, the stratum spinosum, the third layer, the stratum granulosum, and eventually the last layer, the stratum corneum, those keratinocytes that we talked about earlier, they begin to keratinize, become hardened, and form like a shingle-like lattice that becomes a watertight barrier for us and it separates our internal environment from our external environment. Another layer that I did not mention yet is called the stratum lucidium. It is a layer that is only present in thick skin. In thick skin, which has five layers, it is the fourth layer. In thin skin, 
the fourth layer and the concluding layer would be the stratum corneum. Stratum lucidium would not exist in thin skin. That being said, if we compare two different types of thin skin, there can be a difference in thickness. For instance, even though your dorsal surface or your back contains four layers, the same as your ventral surface or your abdomen, those four layers are not created equal, so to speak. The four layers on the dorsal surface are thicker than the four layers on the ventral surface, which can make things confusing because we broadly label things as either, either thick or thin and give it either four strata or five strata, depending if it's thick or thin. But then there is a variation in thickness of different types of thick skin compared to other thick skin and thin skin compared to other thin skin. Second part of the verse that we'll focus on is my skin hardening, which the first part physiologically we just talked about with keratin and how that works its way superficially and hardens to form these shingles or lattice-like structure that we just mentioned. But what this really makes me think about is the conversation I just had literally 30 minutes ago with a dear brother of mine. He and I struggle with perfectionism. We struggle with it to a great, great degree. I mentioned to him over the conversation that I think we both are better suited in the 1800s. We're both sort of these jack-of-all-trade individuals. If we were on a farm, I think that we would learn or know how to do just about everything that we need. We would be self-sufficient. We would also expect our neighbors to be self-sufficient. Our neighbors would only come to our homes and we would only go to theirs if we truly needed each other. For one, in those times, usually homes were miles apart, so there's that. But also, people just didn't ask for help, whether that's right or wrong. Today, everybody asks for help. And he and I were brought up with an old school mentality to not ask for help. And I think he and I have both since realized that that's not the healthiest approach to take. But I think one of the struggles with our perfectionism is we're good at a number of things. And the majority of people in the world that we live in are good at one thing. They become a master of something specifically. And they need help. They need to seek the expertise of others to fill in those voids. And for someone like my friend specifically, even more than me, he has a strong will and determination to learn just about anything. And if he has somebody that comes up to him and asks him for help on a certain project or whatever, he has a really difficult time saying no. I do as well, but I don't think I have as difficult a time as he does. And quickly, that leads to this hardened skin. This leads to this struggle with perfectionism. And speaking for myself for a moment, what I find oftentimes is it leads me down one of two paths. When I'm constantly being bombarded with things that others would like me to do, or more often, things that I expect of myself in my own internal demands, I end up doing too much. Even earlier today, as I'm at work, I'm sending email after email, and I can barely think straight. I'm just sort of on autopilot, 
and I'm shooting out emails, I'm conducting class, I'm grading things, doing all sorts of stuff, and doing it at a very productive rate. But I'm almost not breathing at the same time. And so when I come home and I walk inside and greet my beautiful wife, I report to her that I'm developing a tension headache. I can almost feel the stress working up the back of my spine. And soon, if I don't stop, it's going to become something that's a tension headache that knocks me out. And I'll have to get out the heating pad and lay down. So I think of it a lot of times that I have a choice. I can either slow down by my own accord, which would be the intelligent thing to do, or I can be forced to slow down and recover in a way that I don't really want to. Now that all makes sense, but what doesn't make sense is the opposite thing that I do. Sometimes I tell myself, you've worked really hard today. You deserve some Netflix. You deserve some ESPN, whatever the case is. Next thing that happens, four or five hours goes by. And what happens after that? Particularly the days after that. I guilt myself and I feel awful about just being such an extremist. And I feel guilty that on one end I work myself to death, but then on the other end I'm lazy, lazy, lazy. There's got to be a happy medium for both me and my dear friend. Recording this podcast is an example of there being a happy medium today. I'm realizing that regardless of how hard I work in my full-time job, how much I help at my daughter's school, how much I help with a newborn, how much I do to keep our property up, all these things are three vehicles up, all these things. I must sort of stop and smell the roses. I must do it at a sustainable pace. I must take a step every day. No matter how small, I must take a step every day, particularly with my family and particularly with this business. As busy as I am, I could have easily skipped today's podcast. A month would go by in no time and I would realize, wow, I've missed like 10 episodes. And I would feel guilty and I would feel awful about that. And there'd be nobody to blame but myself. And of course there would be no progression with the podcast. There's no new content. But recording a podcast takes maybe an hour out of my day. It takes longer to get it published after editing and all that stuff. But I can't let that overwhelm me. I have to take that step. And so today's proving to be a good day to get this recorded. Maybe do some other recordings after this. And that's my step for the day. What I will not do is get into the weeds on the editing process. What I will not do is start a few subscriptions on products that I need to. What I will not do is focus on the course that needs to be completed yesterday. That all would lead me down a path of doing too much. What I will also not do is quit this podcast, delete it, because I'm self-conscious about it not being perfect, and go in the living room and watch ESPN. That would be not doing enough. And if you need some humor, you may remember that movie 
Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I believe it's called. And uh, Paul Rudd plays a character in that. And uh, our friends and I, for years since seeing that video or that movie, have joked uh, when he talks about, oh, you're doing too much. Oh, well, now you're not doing anything. And that's how I feel my life is currently. I'm caught in this this dance between doing too much and being forced to stop and not doing enough and then struggling to sort of start my engine. So in anatomy and physiology, we talk about homeostasis and uh, that's advice that I need in my life. I need a middle ground. I need homeostasis in terms of productivity. Part of the reason why I record this podcast is it's therapy for myself. And I think that I've just stated something new that I will keep with myself uh, as an impactful statement. I need homeostasis in my life of productivity. I don't think I've ever looked at productivity as requiring a homeostasis. I've always looked at it from a demand standpoint and what has to be done and there's always something next but as I've learned that's not healthy it's not attainable over and over and over again the last part of the verse is then breaks out a flesh well we've kind of been talking about that already and again I'm not going to speak to uh, the maladaptations that occur in the skin due to infections and those sorts of things. I will say that the body properly adapts to its imposed demands. If you've ever got a piercing, you keep that piercing open long enough and it will remain there. If you've ever done any strength training, you know that if you lift a certain poundage over a certain period of time, eventually it becomes easy and you have to increase the poundage. The body is amazing in how it adapts to the imposed demands, whether it be skin, muscle, or something else. But as I reflect on the conversation with my dear friend, the stress mounting is something that we see now, and I'm so thankful that we see it. Because in the past, we would just keep doing too much until we were forced to submit. And then we'd both probably hang out in an area where we spent too many days sort of vegging out and recuperating. I'd much rather have the freedom to establish homeostasis in terms of productivity and take one step, even if it's a small step, each and every day and continue to provide immense focus on my family. Because at the end of the day, when we're building businesses and we're doing whatever we do as men from a provider standpoint, we do it because we want to care for our family. But if we work 80 hours a week for 30, 40 years, look at all the things we've missed. We can enjoy our retirement periods, certainly, and by that time our kids are grown and Maybe we have grandchildren and we can enjoy our grandchildren. But our time is fleeting by then. And look at all the memories that we've missed. Now I understand fully because I stress about it on a constant basis. 
what that decrease or seemingly decrease in productivity means. And we immediately go to a financial perspective on how many thousands of dollars less per year that means. Well, what I've realized in learning from many entrepreneurs is more genuinely is less. Actually, that statement's the opposite. I apologize. Less is more. Well, I guess they both hold true, don't they? More is less. You do too much and you end up with less. You do a little bit less and you actually end up with more. You keep taking steps one step at a time, day by day, and before you know it, you're going to be somewhere. I'd like to take a moment to thank my friend Wes Tankersley. And he has a podcast, which I obviously highly recommend you check out. It's called Shaping Success with Wes Tankersley. You can find it on any of the podcast outlets. And he takes a motivational approach, which is where I'm concluding this today. And I conclude with these words based on the influence that he and others have had in my life in being positive individuals in the midst of all the negativity that we have. So brothers, when you're struggling with perfectionism and you find yourself hardening your skin and struggling between doing too much and not doing enough. Know that there is a homeostasis, there's a middle ground, and it's okay to shift from fifth to fourth gear. Take that moment, do something that is sustainable, and you'll be amazing to see. It will be amazing. You will be amazed to see where that takes you. Whenever you have a decision to be made, I suggest that you pray, you read scripture, and you seek wise counsel. I'm thrilled that tomorrow I get to meet with my brothers, uh, the wise counsel group that I depend on immensely. I miss one of my brothers who's moved to Minnesota, and I look forward to future correspondence with him. I'm excited that another brother will be joining us tomorrow, and I lean on them heavily. But I must always pray and I must always read scripture before I lean on them in their wise counsel. I'm going to take it a step further. Can you relate to having your best ideas in the shower? I certainly do. And yesterday in the shower, I thought to myself, why am I not praying on everything? Why am I only praying on the stuff that I think matters? Why am I taking so much control of my life and then looking back and wondering why I haven't been blessed in a certain area? Well, it's pretty obvious I'm doing it by my own prerogative. So I'm going to try this extreme approach for a while and I'm going to pray about everything. And I'm going to fail, but I'm going to continually remind myself to pray about everything. Even the seemingly small stuff. Whenever I have a decision to be made, there's two choices or more that I can make. God will decide which direction I go. And if I fail to do that, which I will, I ask for forgiveness 
and I re-begin the process. And I always do it through a prayer, scripture, wise counsel pattern. Pray is unlimited. For those of you old enough to remember the plans where you could only call your friends after 7 p.m. because before then you'd use up your minutes. Well, thankfully, God was ahead of the curve on that and he's always had an unlimited plan when it comes to prayer. You pray as often as your heart desires. You should be praying as often as the Lord's heart desires. You should be scripture at least daily. And you should be in wise counsel, I would recommend, at least weekly. Please consider those three things when you are making a decision. And if you need prayer, again, reach out to me. Reach out to us. Prayer at erratphysiology.com. And if you need wise counsel, you can use that previous email. It'll go to the same spot. But you can also reach us at hello at erratphysiology.com also. Please check out our website. If you found value in us, please share us. We would be appreciative of that. And we will conclude as we always do with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.